You're listening to Limitless Leaders Podcast. Accelerate your mindset, collaboration and performance by developing limitless self-leadership, leaders, teams and organizations. Now, over to your host, Renee Jerusso. So welcome to the Limitless Leaders Podcast. My name's Renee Jerusso, and as a leader or in any role, we need to shift our focus from getting to giving. And I'm super excited for our amazing guest today who lives from this belief. Gives me great pleasure to introduce you to Bob Berg. Bob is a Hall of Fame keynote speaker, an international best-selling co-author of The Go-Giver Book. With over 925,000 copies sold today, this book has been translated into 28 different languages. Since its release, it's stayed in the top 25 of 800 CEO Reads bestsellers list. Bob has also authored the Go-Giver series, including Endless Referrals, Adversaries to Allies, The Go-Giver Leader, The Go-Giver Sell More, and The Go-Giver Influence. His book sales are fast approaching 2 million copies globally. For over 25 years, he has shared his thought leadership and his amazing messages at hundreds of events and conferences. He shared the stage with top business leaders, Olympic athletes, and even a former US president. I first read The Go-Giver in 2008, and it has been one of the most impactful reads that I've just absolutely embraced, and it's really been a part of my career and journey to date. So really special to have you on um, the podcast, Bob. Appreciate your time and welcome. My pleasure. It's it's an honor to be with you, Renee, and truly honored to know that you read my book that long ago and that it had some you know meaning for you. So thank you. That uh, that means a lot. I guess I'd love to talk to you. You know, you're the co-author of such a hugely successful book, and you've built an amazing business around this. I'd, I'd love to sort of understand what got you started and inspired you. Well, gosh, um, yeah, you know, I began in broadcasting. And I was in radio and then television. I was a television news guy. And I, yeah, I wasn't very good. And it wasn't something I was going to end up doing really well in. And so I began selling. I like to say I graduated into sales. The problem, though, Renee, was that I had no training in sales. And so I just kind of, in the training at the company where I was working, it was negligible at best, which means it was non-existent. Mm-hmm. And so I was sort of out there on my own. And I floundered for a few months. And then um, fortunately, I was I was in a bookstore and I, I came across a, a section on sales. And this this shocked me. Now, this is 40 years ago. It shocked me that there were actually books wow. on selling. I, I had no idea there was even such a thing. And so I picked up a couple of those books. Uh, they were by Zig Ziglar. Another was by Tom Hopkins. And I just began studying them. I immersed myself. And within a very short period of time, my sales really began to go well. And that was encouraging to me because it said to me that if you have a system, a proven methodology of uh, for attaining uh, a goal, well, you're okay. You know, because pretty much anyone can follow a system that's been laid out there, providing it's congruent with the person's values and, and so forth. Being in sales, I began to realize that a big part of sales was actual personal development. 
uh, because we build ourselves and we grow from the inside and that, you know, that, that, that inside growth manifests itself in outside external results. So I began to get books like How to Win Friends and Influence People, mm-hmm. Think and Grow Rich, and The Magic of Thinking Big, and Psycho Cybernet, you know, all the books that, that are known. Yeah. And they, you know, they made a, a huge difference for me. And so uh, my sales really went well. I had growing pains along the way, certainly, but eventually I worked my way up to sales manager of a company and then began speaking, showing others how to do what was working for, for me and the people who I uh, led. And so, uh, you know, I had a, a book, Endless Referrals, which was a book on, and that was my first one. And, and that was a book on how to cultivate and create those know you, like you, trust you relationships that would result in, in, in direct customers, clients, and referrals. But I'd always read parables, you know, short stories that were fictional, but always based on, on truth. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could take, you know, the, 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 the premise of endless referrals, which was that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust, and put that into a parable form. So I kind of thought, well, what is the, the major essence of a person who's able to develop those kinds of relationships quickly and sustainably, which is very important as well? And, you know, the answer was they're always focused on giving, giving value to others. And so, uh, sort of came up with the name, the go giver. And, but the big thing was asking John David Mann, who was a, at that time, he was known within a small circle of people as a brilliant, brilliant writer and storyteller. Fortunately, I was within that circle who knew who he was. And I asked John to, uh, be the lead writer, co-author, storyteller. So that was really the inspiration of that. It was, it was endless referrals in a kind of in a story form and, uh, collaborating with John to really make it happen. As, as you know, I think storytelling's been reinvigorated, especially the last few years when I think we're, we're in such a disconnected world. We've never ever been more connected by technology, but more disconnected in other ways. And I think it's easy to read. I love the principles. I love the takeouts, the Q and A at the back. And look, I've, I've read most of your books and, and the book you've co-authored with John, but I, and I'd love, I'd love, you know, we, we haven't got a lot of time, but to have a chat about the five laws of success. I love the law of value. Your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Why do you think so many people and a lot of business owners we all come across is many that just find that law so challenging or just not aware of it. Yeah, well, there are, so I think there are two issues there and you ask a great question because that's so important because the law of value is really the foundational law, the foundational principle. So to say your true worth in the business sense, of course, is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment sounds very counterintuitive. It sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy, really. How are you supposed to give more in value than you take in payment and survive in your business, never mind thrive? So we simply have to understand the difference mm-hmm. in price and value. And, and this is key because mm-hmm. price is a, a dollar figure. Do my friends in Australia say dollars? Yes, we do. Dollars. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure dollars. I wasn't. Uh, Okay. Price is a dollar figure, right? It's, it's a dollar amount. It's finite. It, it simply is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or behold. In other words, what is it about this thing, this 
product, service, concept, idea that brings someone so much worth that they're, they'll willingly exchange their money for this and be glad they did while you make a very healthy profit. We can use an example, a very quick example of a, of an account and this accountant charges, you know, you charge, you hire this accountant to do your taxes and she charges you a thousand dollars. That's her fee or literally her price, a thousand dollars. But what value does she give you in exchange? Well, she saves you $5,000 on your taxes. She saves you countless hours of time. She gives you and your family the peace of mind and the security of knowing it was done correctly. So first of all, we see here value is both concrete in terms of the $5,000, but it's very conceptual in terms of the peace of mind, which probably holds more value or worth to you than even the money that's saved. So she gave you well over $5,000 in value in exchange for a $1,000 price. So you feel great about it, but she also made a very healthy profit, which she should, because it was worth it to her to charge $1,000 for her time and for her effort and energy and knowledge and so forth. And so both of you came out way ahead in a free market-based exchange. And when I say free market, I simply mean no one is forced to do business with anyone else. Both people do business voluntarily, right? So in a free market-based exchange, there are always at least two profits, the buyer profits and the seller profits, because each came away better off afterwards than they were before. So the more value you can provide, and value isn't, again, just the intrinsic value, but it's the entire experience you bring. How easy were you to work with? Did you make them feel comfortable? And that's really what the law of value is about. It is. Price is what you pay, value is what you get. And I think it's understanding that value is in the eye of the beholder. And, you know, for those of you listening out there, and I work with a lot of sales managers, you know, at the end of the day, you can solve other people's problems. The value is infinite. Bob, I have some clients that are building businesses and practices and they're saying, you know, they got sticker shock and I'm going to discount. And it's like you don't need to goes into one of the other principles we'll talk about, which is valuing yourself, which which can help you, you know, stand in your conviction. Absolutely love that. And I think it's so important. I think we get too caught up on, like you said, the tangible things, but we've got to go deeper. The law of compensation, and I love this, your income is determined by how many people you serve. And I think even more importantly, how well you serve and, and are in service to them. Let's talk about that one. I love that one. So where the law of value says to give more in value than you take in payment to tells us that the more people whose lives you touch with that exceptional value, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. So let's go back to your accountant. Uh, She did a great job, right, of giving you much more in value than what she took in payment. Chances are you feel really great about her you would do business with her again, and you would probably tell all these other people about her. Well, her other clients feel the same way. So our accountant is very quickly amassing what we call an army of personal walking ambassadors who are singing her praises. And as she continues to add this kind of exceptional value to the lives of so many people, her income will continue to grow and grow. You may recall the CEO in the story, Nicole Martin, told Joe, the protege, that law number one, the law of value, it represents only your potential income. 
but it's not enough to serve just one person, right? Uh, law number two is all about how many lives you impact with that value. And that's really so key. So, so we can combine laws one and two, exceptional value plus significant reach equals very high compensation. And it's the level of service as well. I always say you've got to be in service to yourself, which is all about understanding your value to be in service to others. And some of our listeners out there are quite prominent thought leaders in Australia and as speakers as well. And I think that serves through books, through speaking, because you, you, you're, you're reaching so many people. Would you agree? Like that's another way to share your message wider, more broadly. And sure. I think it comes back, like, like you said, the, it, referrals. I mean, referrals to me are the, I know in my business are the biggest compliment. If someone's referring me, then they're obviously very happy and happy t- and trusting for me to be in service to someone they care about. The thing about working with referred prospects, our referred prospects, it, it's simply easier to set the appointment, obviously, because whether someone referred you proactively or you had asked this person to refer you and they provided you with some names and said, yes, you can use my name, it's simply easier to set the appointments based on borrowed influence. Uh, with referred prospects, price is less of an issue because, again, you have that credibility going in, that borrowed influence, that borrowed trust. And uh, the third benefit of a referred prospect, it's easier to complete the transaction or close the sale. This is through borrowed trust or what we call vicarious experience. No, they may not have done business with you before personally. Yeah. But someone who they know, like, and trust has said, yes, this is the person. Who, who you should work with. This is the only person you need to talk to. This is the person who's going to take care of you. And then the, the fourth benefit of a referred prospect is that they're already of the mindset that that's how you do business because that's how they met you. So in their world, they see you as someone who meets their prospects through referral, sells on high value rather than low price, uh, completes the transaction, and then is, is referred. Hmm. I know in Australia, a lot of people find it hard to ask for help and to even ask for referrals. What would you say to them if they're listening and they know they do great work? You know what? I always say, what does it cost you not to do it? But I guess, what would you say? Well, here's the thing. There's a big fear. In fact, anytime you have a customer who you know is happy with you, happy with your product or service, as people in their lives who they probably would love to see benefit from that product or service, and you don't ask, it's always due to fear, right? And the fears are, are can be many fold, but a couple of them are just simply one's fear of rejection, being told that, that the person doesn't want to refer. Yeah. And, you know, we're human beings, and I don't think any of us like to be told no, so it's a very legitimate feeling. But I think what we need to do is get past that feeling, and it's not a matter of just pushing through it, because when it really doesn't feel right, we're not going to push through it consistently. But let's instead kind of reframe it. Think to ourselves, what's the worst thing that could happen if we ask for a referral? And again, this is assuming you do it politely and correctly. We can go through that, and that's that's fine. It's actually very easy to do. but but, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? They say, uh, you know, no, I'd, I'd rather not. And you say, okay, well, that's fine. Maybe another time and, or what have you. That's the worst thing that could happen. So there's, there's no downside. Okay. They're not going to all of a sudden not want to do business with you. Okay. And there's, and, and when you think about it, 
and I don't mean to sound morbid here, but there are people in the world who are suffering through catastrophic situations right now, okay? I mean, where their next meal is coming from, or if they're going to be safe, or if they're diminishing the, the feelings that someone has, you know, get past the fear. And if you know how to ask and do it correctly and professionally, and I can take you through the language in five minutes doing that, um, then you're in a position where you're going to really make your business a lot more fun, a lot less stressful, and a lot more profitable. I love what you mentioned. If someone does say no, and it really does happen, and if they do, that's a great forum I think to be open to feedback as to maybe why um, to get a better insight you know to ourselves and I think I have a bit of a saying Bob you know we've become human beings not human beings and I think we get caught up sometimes and don't don't really stop and go what what what's outside of us what how can we really I guess progress forward even more quickly in in a good way we just get caught up in the day-to-day -day and don't stop and, and do that. And I know a lot of you listening out there and a lot of a lot of people I know just don't and won't ask for help. And it's it really is what will it cost me not to? What have I got to lose? Love to jump into the law of influence. And I love this. And this is a big belief I live by. You know, your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. And I love you in the book, there's a bit on watch out for what people need with the faith that when you do, you know, you'll get what you need. You know, I've, I've run a lot of influencing programs. Influencing can have a really negative connotation. People think it's manipulation. It's obviously not. There's a big difference. But how do you step back and, you know, for many of us, it's natural, but for many, it's not. And put other people's interests first and slow down, and make it about your agenda. Okay. So it's a great question. So let's, let's look at what influence is on a, on two levels. One, the basic definition. And then two, it's actual essence. We can define influence as simply the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal. That's influence by definition. That's its definition. I don't believe that it's its essence, though. Why? The essence of influence yeah. is pull. Pull as opposed to push. You know, how far can you push a rope? Not very, at least not very fast or very effectively, which is why great influencers don't push. You never hear people say, wow, that Joe or that Mary, she is such a great influencer. She has a lot of push with people. No, she's a great influencer. She has a lot of pull, right? What is pull? Pulls an attraction. A great influencer, what we call a genuine influencer, attracts people first to themselves and only then to their ideas. So how do you do that, right? How, how do you manifest that, that pull? So let's talk about placing other people's interests first. See, a genuine influencer will constantly ask themselves questions such as, how does what I'm asking this person to do, how does it align with their goals, with their wants, with their needs, with their desires? How does what I want this other person to do, how does it align with their values? Uh, what problems am I helping them to solve? 
How am I helping make their life better? Now, when we ask ourselves these questions thoughtfully, intelligently, genuinely, uh, authentically, not as a way to manipulate another human being into doing our will, but as a way of building everyone in the process, now we've come a lot closer to earning that person's commitment as opposed to trying to depend on some type of compliance. And that's really key. People are going to do what they're going to do for their reasons, not ours. You know, I got to tell you that when I, Renee, when I will, when I speak at a, let's say a sales conference, I will often say, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. They're not going to buy from you because you need the money and they're not even going to buy from you because you're a nice person. They're going to buy from you only because they believe that they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And that's the only reason anyone should buy from you or me or for anyone else. Well, this makes it so that the, the, the salesperson, if they're going to be successful, they've got to put that other person's interests first. They've got to, there's no other way to make that sale. So when we say no, the other person, no. and it goes back to Joe, right? Because at first he didn't get that. It's, and it's also to a bit you mentioned earlier, you know, and I think, you know, that whole push as an influencer is attainable, but it's not sustainable. Not sustainable. That, so it's, it's, it's right. all around having that. And if, if you're going to push in order yeah. to influence, you've got to just keep it's It's exhausting. Okay. It's, it's, it's a, in a very ineffective oh. way to do business. <laughs> yeah. It comes back to the relationships, getting to know people, getting to know what problems they solve. Um, you know, even around dealing with change, I have a bit of a saying that your why to change must exceed your why to stay the same. And it's a bit like people buying anything off you, you know, and I, I don't even use the word selling. I use the word sharing because I think when you put that into as a mindset, a sharing mindset, then there's that mutuality that's important. Oh, we could talk all day. We've only got a, got a few minutes left and I'd love the law. You know, you are your most important commodity and that's something that, you know, I've learned over the years. I, um, like many of us, it being owning a business, put so much into it and you've got to stand back and really look after yourself. And I think the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. And I love, I love the story, the chapter on Deborah Davenport about understanding what value you have. It's not the sales tools. It's not even the product people buy you first. What helps us identify and share who we really are? Well, I think at first is understanding that we, as human beings, we have really two types of value. We have intrinsic value, which is just by being here, right? Just by being a human being, you've got value. Okay. But we also have something I call market value. And I define market value as that combination of strengths, traits, talents, and characteristics that allow you to add value to the marketplace in such a way that you will be financially rewarded. Now, here's the thing. We have different strengths. We have different talents. For example, there are some people who just have a a way of being able to empathize with people in such a way that the other person really feels understood. Some people are wonderful with asking questions. Mm. Some are great connectors of people. Someone like Deborah, remember hers was just 
she's just a great friend. I mean, she's there for people and that comes across. There's yeah. all sorts of ways. Yeah. And so I think what we need to do is recognize that external, what I call market value. That's where, you know, a coach like yourself comes in because it's very difficult for us as human beings to really grasp our strengths. We're emotionally involved with ourselves. You know, I'm 61 years old, almost 62. And there's times I still look at myself in the mirror and see that skinny 16 year old who had no confidence and you know, the whole thing, right? And so that's why it's great to have someone like yourself who cares about that person, but is far enough removed away that you can be objective and really help that person to see those wonderful strengths, as well as the areas where they may need to sharpen up. But I I think we can be ourselves when we're comfortable with ourselves. You know, when we see authenticity, I, I think that, and I see this in the States a lot, I'm not sure if it's the same in Australia, but I see people sometimes, they confuse authenticity with not being willing to grow. It's like, well, this is just how I am. It's all, well, you know what? That's an excuse. You know, it's like the person who says, I have anger issues and I yell a lot. If I were to act differently, that wouldn't be authentic. No, Mm -hmm. not at all. It simply means that person has an authentic problem that they need to authentically work on in order to hire authentic version of themselves. And I, I call that a bubble mindset when they're a bit like that. It, it's so true and I love, you know, and I'm a big believer in that Not 90% of, of us and our message is, our, is people skills or what I call life skills. Mm-hmm. Across the world they call them soft skills. I prefer the term life skills. And 10% is specific knowledge. And I, I do a lot of work around communication and that sort of thing and that's so exciting to me because anybody, if they want anything, can do or be, yeah? Bob, we've only got a few minutes left and I, I just wanted to have a really thank you and, and I think the law of receptivity, key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. It's almost physics. We, we right. Every giving can happen only because it is also receiving. Why do you think people, I guess to finish off, why do you think people find it hard to receive? I know I'm a giver and I sometimes find it hard to receive. My younger sister at the moment's battling aggressive breast cancer, but something I've seen her do with such grace only recently is being open to receiving for the first time ever. Why do you think people find it hard to receive? Well, because the world around us gives us terrible messages about prosperity, about wealth, about money. We get these messages pretty much from the time we're born all the way growing up, uh, negative messages about money, negative messages about wealth. Uh, You know, if you if you read the news or listen to it or or you have discussions with people or in in schools, at least, you know, here in in ours, uh, you'd think that anybody who gets Mm -hmm. wealthy somehow did it through dishonesty or through evil ways and all these things. And don't get me wrong. There are evil people in the world and people do bad things and sometimes profit by them. But by and large, especially in a free market, no one has to buy from you. The only way you can make a lot of money is by providing a lot of value to a lot of people. But when you get these negative messages all the time, constantly, constantly, constantly from the time, 
well, this gets in your head. It's unconscious. It's in your unconscious. You believe that there's that, you know, only evil people have money, right? Well, let's say you've created a, a situation where you've brought so much value to the world, to the marketplace that you're about to receive and the money's starting to come in. But in your mind, in your unconscious, you're thinking, oh, well, but if I have a lot of money, I'm going to lose my friends. They're going to think I'm evil. I must have done something wrong, right? This is not conscious. It's unconscious. But that keeps people from receiving. And this filters down to every area of receptivity. So to me, one of the best things we can do is to make a study of prosperity. Read the books. Watch the videos. Because we get the we get the horrible money quite naturally from the world around us. Mm. So we've got to put good messages in our head and retrain our, our brains. That's why, see, it's not a matter of are you a giver or a receiver? That's the false dilemma. That's the treacherous dichotomy. The or when it does it's an no, it's an and you're and, a giver yeah. and yeah. a receiver. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. It's by focusing on the gift that you begin the process of receiving. This is why we say that money is an echo of value. And it's thunder to values lightning. I love that. I love that. You know, I love not what you do, not what you accomplish, but who you are. And I think the key message out of all of this, Bob, is be your authentic self, be who you are, know your value, share your value, be real be relevant and be more. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overthink it. Yeah, exactly. Great. Might have to do a. We might have to do a part two next. We are on this one because there's some some great stuff in there. <laughs> the Go Giver Leader for those of you out there that haven't haven't read that one. Really, really worth reading. I'd I'd love to just quickly ask you. You know, with any business and in any role, we have challenges, and I call this the gift mindset, which is actually going to be my book that will be out in the next twelve to eighteen months. So, flipping challenges, turning the event to an experience that you reframe and share, and also sharing the successes, because I think there's a lot of people out there that have these amazing successes and sweep them under the rug, whether they're unaware or they don't want to share. I guess I'd love to, if you're happy to, just to finish off, to share one one gift that you've had, the lesson you've learnt from it and how it's really helped, I guess, help you evolve and, and have such amazing success. Well, let's see. I would say that one big challenge that I, I that set me back for quite a while was just an unwillingness to change, uh, especially in this is now probably 20 years ago or so, a little bit of when the internet really started to get big, right? And, yeah. and this is, yeah. you know, I, I had a, a real successful business that I had built and was enjoying it and coasting along. Mm. And uh, all of a sudden things started to change a little bit. People said, you need to get caught up with technology. And I said, nah, I don't really need that. Uh, you know, my <laughs> clients are my clients and we're good. Well, that wasn't true at all. I wasn't willing to change. And, and you know, the fact is I don't like change. Now, I know that, that in the personal development field that you and I are, mm. are both part of, change is supposed to be good and, you know, race change. Well, you know what? I don't like change. Mm. Uh, I don't, you know. And many don't. I mean, I could say I love it, but I'd yeah. be fibbing and I don't want to do that. Yeah. But the, but here's the thing, and this is what I really learned that was so important. It wasn't a matter of whether I liked change or not. It was of I was either going to change or adapt with what was going on, 
or I was going to get left behind. You know, I think that's something that if, if I wanted to succeed, then I was going to have to do those certain things. So, yeah. uh, you know, uh, so I, I managed to do that. Now, part of my business is technology, and I'm still not great when it comes to technology myself, but my business partner, Kathy Tejanel, is brilliant when yeah. it comes to technology, and she creates an environment where I'm able to get and do these things and not have to worry about the technology. Yeah, and I love that. And that's, so that's finding the compelling reason to change, and it has to be compelling, would you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Being a limitless leader, and that's my big word is limitless, and our brand's around limitless leadership because I believe you're a leader of self, others, and life. And I, I really, really believe, you know, there's no bounds, there's no ceiling, the potential's there for everybody. I'd love to ask you, what do you do? Because you know, this is important to keep energized because you're, you're like, you know, you, you, you're on the speaking circuit. I know how much you do, right? What, what, what helps you stay re-energized in the real you? Uh, well, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate because I, I love what I do. So, yeah. you know, I have to read a lot, but I love reading. Yes. And so, uh, so I'm and continually being able to read. It re-energizes me. And, you know, so I, I don't really kind of feel that, of, which, you know, it, and it doesn't mean it's always, wow, I'm just loving every part of it. There's things mm. I have to do I don't necessarily want mm. to do. But most of the things that I do naturally bring me right back in and keep me uh, in an energy state. And, and I get that. I think if you do what lights you up and it puts a pep in your step, it's a natural innate motivator that keeps you going. Um, just to finish off, what is a question that you've never been asked before that you'd like to be asked? Question that I've never been asked before and would also like to be asked. <laughs> Those <laughs> might be two different things. Yes, they could cross. They might not. I, I think you. I think you've got me on that. I can't think of anything that I haven't been asked, but I also can't think of anything that I wouldn't necessarily asked. Um, I'm pretty much, a, you know, not that I'm a totally open book, but I'm a pretty open book. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. if you have something that you want to ask that you don't think I've been asked, you go right at. I would always answer for you. Oh, you're lovely. I guess. I, I guess for. For our listeners out there, taking their lives, their business, their roles, you know, and I believe you have to lead with your whole self. What is, if you had one, a one-liner for them, one sentence, one belief, one suggestion, what would that be? Well, if, if, if there's one, I guess, suggestion, it's to, to constantly check your premises on everything, on every bit of information that comes into your life that you are prone to believe, okay, or Mm -hmm. something that you're about to say, something that you just assume is true, check the premises. Ask how you know it's true. Ask yourself who you heard it from and who did they hear it from? Mm. And who did they hear it from? And why is it true? Or why is it not true? true. To the degree that we can keep thinking and asking questions and challenging our beliefs, the the degree that we're always going to be open to learning more. Yeah, I absolutely love that. So that's really assessing or thinking about the stories you tell yourself, your belief system and why, and if it's not serving you, you know, if it's true or not, because you know that we're emotional human beings and we're bombarded aren't we we're bombarded to consume and 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 it's we need to be stepping back and 
I think stripping more off than adding more on, which is what most people do. Bob, it's been an absolute pleasure today, this morning in Australia, and I think it's late afternoon in, in Miami. So I want to say thank you so much for your insight. Um, and I'm sure those of you out there, you would have gleaned a lot of really great messages from Bob. So thanks, Bob. Thank you so much. It's been a, a joy and an honor. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you, Bob. Take care and I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you. You've been listening to Limitless Leaders Podcast, leading from the inside out to develop limitless self-leadership, leaders, teams, and organizations. To find out how you can accelerate your mindset, your communication, collaboration, and connection to become a limitless leader, sign up for our Limitless Leaders Podcast series at www.renegerusso.com forward slash podcast series. That's renegerusso.com forward slash podcast series. 